This spring, our sermon series, A Community We Can Call Home, gives us a chance to notice and think about the ways we are called by God's Spirit to be a community and the ways in which we share life together as one community. Last week we heard from Dale about the church's call to service and justice, and today we're ending our series with the inspiration behind that call to service and justice, the substance that makes the Christian church unique, and the number one reason for the existence of our particular church, the proclamation and demonstration of the gospel for the salvation of humankind. This purpose, the proclamation of the gospel for the salvation of humankind, is laid out as one of the great ends of the church as defined by our Presbyterian Book of Order, which is part of our constitution as a church denomination. Proclaiming the gospel message in word and deed is the reason for the church to exist and is what makes us different from other organizations. Today, as we examine our uniqueness as a community called to proclaim the gospel, we will consider the message that Jesus himself came to proclaim as the basis for our own preaching of the gospel message. We will also look at the way in which Jesus expected his disciples to behave towards one another as they proclaimed the good news as the basis for our own demonstration of the gospel. And we will consider where we as a community should draw our strength from as we proclaim and demonstrate the gospel. In a moment, we will hear three readings from scripture. Our first reading is from Luke 4. In this reading, we will hear how Jesus, in the early days of his ministry, read from a scroll in the synagogue, declaring his mission to the world. Our second reading is from John 15, in which Jesus commands his disciples to love one another just before he gives himself up for execution. Our final reading is from Matthew 28, as the risen Jesus directs his disciples to go and make more disciples. As we listen to the readings, ask yourself three questions. One, what is the message Jesus came to proclaim? Two, how were the disciples to demonstrate this message? And three, where does the power to proclaim this message come from? Let us listen as the gospel is read. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voices but your own so that we may hear your word and also do it. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first reading comes from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21. Hear the words of our Lord. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he'd been raised. On the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue as he normally did and stood up to read. The synagogue assistant gave him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim releases to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the synagogue assistant, and sat down. 
every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him. He began to explain to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. Our second reading comes from the Gospel according to John, chapter 15, verses 9 to 17. As the Father loved me, I too have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. This is my commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. No one has greater love than to give up one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I don't call you servants any longer because servants don't know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because everything I heard from my father I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you could go and produce fruit and so that your fruit could last. As a result, whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. I give you these commandments so that you can love each other. Our third reading comes from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 28 verses 16 to 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came near and spoke to them. I've received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. The Word of the Lord. Have you ever forgotten to charge your cell phone and been somewhere without a charger and the little battery icon starts going down and you've got to weigh whether to turn off the phone or if battery saver mode is enough until you get, get to a charger or ask someone, hey, do you have a charger or what? Every day, most of us take for granted that we walk around with a powerful tool of communication in our pockets. Cell phones are a modern marvel. Email, texting, and especially calling are now a kind of basic communication we take for granted. And now there's TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, plus there's any kind of information we need right at our fingertips. And movies, TV, games, all in one tiny little rectangle, as long as you keep it charged. The church is also a powerful communication tool. The church's purpose is to communicate the gospel. With a phone, we know you've got to have a charger with the right little end on it and an outlet to plug the whole thing into, and then you can charge your phone. Well, where does the church get charged? In other words, where does the church get the power to proclaim the gospel message? Well, in Matthew 28, often called the Great Commission, we heard Jesus telling his disciples that he had been given all authority in heaven and earth, and therefore 
his disciples should go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that he has commanded. Looking at the Great Commission, then, it has been historically tempting to make the leap that because Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and earth and is asking his disciples to go and make more disciples, then the church itself was given all authority directly from heaven to make disciples of all nations. If we study world history, we will, in short order, find that the Great Commission got pretty quickly twisted into being interpreted with the emphasis on the make. Making disciples became justification for nations using the commission to go and make disciples and teach them to obey as a tool of empire to conquer and convert in order to expand power and wealth. But if conquering and converting was Jesus's intended way for the church to make disciples, couldn't Jesus, who had all the power of heaven and earth, just make everyone disciples and be done with it? There's another scripture tucked away in Matthew that gives us the answer to that question. In Matthew 4, Jesus is tested by the devil in the wilderness, and the devil takes Jesus up to the top of a high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and promises all those kingdoms and their glories to Jesus, if only he will bow down to Satan and worship him. Jesus replies, Go away, Satan, because it is written, You will worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Instead, after this encounter with the devil, Jesus goes to Galilee, and when he is walking along the sea, he sees Peter and Andrew fishing. Jesus calls to Peter and to Andrew, come and to follow him, and they do. Matthew then tells us that Peter and Andrew followed Jesus as he, quote, traveled throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues. He announced the good news of the kingdom and healed every disease and sickness among the people. Jesus was given all authority, and he used his authority not to gain power, but to spread a message of love and hope. As we consider the commission to go and make disciples, let's not emphasize the making of disciples while skipping over this very important part of the commission where Jesus says, look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. If the church is a tool for communicating the gospel message, before we attempt to communicate that message, we are meant to plug in to Jesus, who is still with us, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives us the charge we need. Staying plugged into Jesus is exactly what the reading from John 15 was talking about. Jesus tells his followers to remain in his love, to keep his joy within themselves. Jesus commanded his followers to love each other the way he loved them, and he loved them by laying his life down for them. Jesus loved his followers with a selfless love, he didn't make them do anything. He treated them not as servants, but as friends. Jesus served them by loving them. He chose them. He called them to himself. And the Bible tells us that they followed him freely. In John 15, Jesus literally commands his disciples to behave the same way Jesus does, with love and joy and friendship, in order to produce fruit that lasts. 
If the way Christians communicate the gospel message is to bear fruit that lasts, then the communication of the message must be done in the same way that Jesus communicated it, in humility, in friendship, in love, and with joy. So we know from the Bible that our power to proclaim the gospel comes from staying close to Jesus, and the message must be communicated with love. Well, when we proclaim the gospel, what are we proclaiming? At the beginning of his ministry, Jesus told us exactly what his message was. The Bible says, On the Sabbath, Jesus went to the synagogue as he normally did and stood up to read. The synagogue assistant gave him a scroll from the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the synagogue assistant, and sat down. Every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him. He began to explain to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. I can't really say it better than that, so I'll just read it again. Jesus tells us that he was anointed to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Just like the disciples who gathered around Jesus in the early days of his ministry, the church is simply a community of people called by God's Spirit to share life together. Individually and collectively, we must remember that when we gather as a church, we are gathering to learn and practice how to be disciples. As we go together along our discipleship path, our purpose as a community is to proclaim and demonstrate the gospel, and in doing so, to stay focused on fulfilling the Great Commission to go and make disciples. If, as Christians, we believe that Jesus' ministry, death, and resurrection fulfills the scripture that he read from Isaiah, then today we are called to get plugged in to the good news that he proclaimed and continue to stay charged by the enduring message of the love, joy, and friendship of Jesus Christ. May it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen.